Welcome to the 175th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Vidar Sunstall, the acclaimed Norwegian author of The Land of Dreams, the first book in the Minnesota Trilogy. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is sponsored by the book-loving nerds at Riffle. Riffle is an online book community that connects readers with authors and books that they'll love. Readers use Riffle to find the next book that they want to read. And authors use Riffle to make their books stand out and drive sales. Join the Riffle community today at rifflebooks.com. That's R-I-F-F-L-E-B-O-O-K-S.com. And look for the link in the show notes as well. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Vidar Sunstall. Vidar's novel, The Land of Dreams, a crime novel, is the first novel in the Minnesota Trilogy. The Land of Dreams is available now from the University of Minnesota Press. The Land of Dreams won the Riverton Prize for Best Norwegian Crime Novel in 2008. Vidar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, at the outset, can I have you read a, a quick section from The Land of Dreams? Sure. I'll read from very early on in the book, where the main character, the policeman Lance Hansen, um, discovers something by the shore of Lake Superior on early morning. He parked his service vehicle at the end of the road and got out. It was 728 in front of him stretched Lake Superior. There was nothing to see but light and water and sky, no opposite shore on which to fix his eyes, just the illusory meeting of sky and the surface of the water far off in the distance. The site where the tent had been spotted was a couple of hundred yards north of where he stood. An alert woman had called to report that someone had illegally pitched a tent down by the lake. He tried to catch sight of anyone over there, but the birch trees stood too close together. As he turned around to get his binoculars from the truck, he noticed a shoe lying on the path that led to Baraga's cross. He went over to the shoe. It looked brand new, a white running shoe. It looked as if someone had simply stepped out of it. And when he examined the ground more closely, he discovered that he was right. That was exactly what had happened. About 18 inches in front of the shoe, he saw the print of a bare foot that had skidded on the path, which was damp with morning dew. He also saw a handprint, a handprint which showed that the individual had fallen. But the person hadn't put the shoe back on. Lance wondered what would make someone leave an almost new running shoe behind. Even though the reported campsite was in the opposite direction, he picked up the shoe and followed the path through the dense birch underbrush. Thank you. Great. Well, for those listeners who haven't read The Land of Dreams yet, how would you describe the novel? Um, I would describe it as a murder mystery which includes... Uh, a portrait of a whole community and the people uh, living in that community and the, the the local history of that community. 
and this community is uh, is the the Cook County on the on the shore of Lake Superior between Lake Superior and and, and Canada. So it's sort of a uh, it's a crime mystery, a murder mystery, which also is like a, a chronicle of a whole of a, of a, of a whole um, a whole community, and in particular one family, uh, the family of this uh, of this main character, the U.S. Forest Service law enforcement officer Lance Hansen, which is a, Nor a Norwegian family. Uh, he is the descendant of Norwegian immigrants, like many other people up there. Right. And, and I know that you lived in Minnesota for several years prior to writing The Land of Dreams. What what brought you to Minnesota? Uh, my wife, uh, who is American, and uh, so we lived, first we lived in uh, Kentucky, in Lexington, Kentucky. And then uh, my wife is a biologist and she applied for jobs. And she applied for several jobs in, in the U.S. Forest Service system all over the states and then by coincident she got a job up in northeast minnesota and so i had never planned to end up among the sort of lutefish eating norwegian americans but i i did by by accident great and so are you going to write a uh, are you going to write a novel about kentucky next no i mean I, I, I didn't live there for more than a few months really so no, I, I know. Um, so, so when you were living in Minnesota, did you start thinking about and planning the land of dreams? And and I was curious, was there something specific that sparked the idea for the for the novel? And and as I mentioned at the outset, it's the first novel in a trilogy. Yeah, there was certainly something particular that sparked the the initial idea, and that was uh, and it was actually on the fourth of July, um, two thousand and four. Uh, my wife and I, we were driving up to towards, we were, we were going to Canada. This is not far from Canada, you know, so we were going up to Thunder Bay to buy, I don't know what, uh, painkillers and Canadian bacon or something. <laughs> and and uh, on the way we passed uh, an old and slightly dodgy looking um, motel, which was called uh, the Whispering Pines. And my wife said, doesn't that look like a like the like the scene of murder, scene of crime from a from a from a murder mystery, uh, death at the Whispering Pines, and we just started to just for fun we started to muse about what kind of a, a policeman who might in, in, investigate a murder up there in Cook County and who might get killed, and and uh, then we picked up that thread again when we were out driving uh, later on and we started talking about this uh, imaginary policeman, this fictitious policeman, giving him a private life, giving him a, him a name, giving him, you know, things, what what does he like, what does he hate, does he drink, doesn't he drink, does he have a wife, is he divorced, all these things. And after a year or so, we had pretty much created the whole world around Lance Hansen, actually. So my wife was very much involved in this in the very beginning. That, that's that's a great story. So yeah. I'm curious, what what were um, had you written crime novels prior no. to the Minnesota trilogy? What no. what were your earlier novels about? I had written three novels before The Land of Dreams, and that was more, um, let's say, literary novels. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, among other, is one novel is from Egypt, from the city of Alexandria, which is sort of a portrait of that city. I use. I lived there for a year or two. Oh. So, but none of the none of these none of the third three three first books had uh, any sort of crime elements to them. 
So and and the the reason why I made this a crime novel was simply it had something to do with we started talking about this policeman and but it, so it starts there but it also starts somewhere else it starts at the very moment when I saw Lake Superior for the first time when we drove up from Lexington Kentucky for the first time and uh, there's this this place called Thompson's Hill just before we get to Duluth and when you come around a bend on the highway there suddenly you see Lake Superior after you've been driving through a pretty uniform, pretty boring, semi-prairie uh, landscape for a couple of days, and it's just like coming to another world or, or another planet almost. And I, it really made, it had a huge impact on me. And from that very moment on, I knew that I was going to write something, something substantial from this place. And uh, and uh, then when we started talking about this policeman, it suddenly struck me that that might be a very good character because he has also always an excuse to sort of be everywhere and talk to people and ask questions and know a lot of things. So I also made him a local historian, a genealogist. So he he pretty know, pretty much knows everything about everybody in this in this area. That, that's a great story about seeing Lake Superior for the first time. So, so did you did you have any reservations about writing a novel in Minnesota, given that you had only lived there for a couple of years? I, well, originally, I, I think uh, when I started writing, because I, I I didn't start writing the novel before we moved to Norway again, and then I thought to myself. Well, what on earth am I embarking on now? Because this, I, how can I write a novel about an American man? I mean, I'm not American, and uh, he's a policeman. I'm not a policeman. And but then I just started. And the thing is that, I mean, the, the novel is about Norwegian Americans, but it's at the end of the day, it's it's like every other novel that I write is about people, and it's about ordinary, ordinary people sort of um, experiencing. Um, crisis in their lives. There's a, there's a murder that happens and there are suspicions within the family. And so it's just my, my general fascination for what happens when ordinary people get really, really sort of squeezed into a corner. Sure. Sure. So, so when did you, when did you first start writing fiction? And I'm curious, did you start out writing short stories or did you immediately, when you, when you first started, Trying to, well, to work on that. Uh, well, I, I started very early. Uh, I mean, I started uh, like almost twenty years before I before I published my first novel. So I uh, and through those twenty years, I did a. I, I really attempted to become a writer, and uh, it was hard work. But I, uh, well, what did I write? I wrote everything in the beginning. When I started <laughs> out, I was like eighteen, nineteen. I wrote poetry. I wrote short short stories. I tried to write big novels and sort of made it to page 20 a couple of times <laughs> the, the usual story uh but then the first uh, i mean the seven now i've published seven novels and seven books and they're all novels so it's like it's in the that genre that i belong i guess sure sure so are, are you working on more crime novels uh now what are you working on now well, after uh, since the, I mean, the the trilogy was concluded here in Norway in 2011. The last book came out here, and since that, I've written um, a thriller, like an international archaeology thriller, uh, that was published here now uh, this fall. And uh, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do now, but I do actually have, um, I think there might come another 
uh, Lance Hansen book from Minnesota, actually, or perhaps even a couple of them. Uh, I, I'm starting to starting to feel. I went over to Minnesota in October. I was in Minnesota then when when the book was launched. So I was there and did a promotion tour and met uh, mostly in the in the Twin Cities uh, and up in Duluth. And then I uh, we also went up to the North Shore where the books take place. And uh, I suddenly I got reminded of uh, how much I like this uh, not just the actual place but this fiction universe that I created after I got home and I, so, suddenly I really really felt like writing more about Lance Hansen about uh, and about the Ojibwe right, right. Uh, cultural mix in the background there, which is very fascinating so there might be another book about Lance coming in a year or two gotcha um, and do you have do you have an English publication deal for the for the thriller yet? Uh, in, in in the states, you mean? In, yeah, in the states. Or yeah, the trilogy will be uh, so the 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 rest of the trilogy will be published. Uh, the second book will be published next year, and the third book in twenty fifteen. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I was wondering about the thriller that you said was published in in Norway. Oh, the thriller. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 I haven't got a, a deal on that yet. No. Gotcha. Um, so, so given your given your um, experience with with writing the seven novels and and having them published and then having the trilogy published by the University of Minnesota Press, what what advice would you have for aspiring writers who may be listening? Um, well, the only advice that you can really give people is to never give up. That's uh, that's the, the, that's the only thing that works. I mean, if, because of the simple fact that in the moment that you give up, you, you don't stand a chance anymore. As long as you haven't give, given up, you're still in the game. And you just have to, you have to read a lot and you have to work a lot. And you really have to, it's also a good idea, idea not to think of yourself as a genius before you have even had have, have the first book published. Because if you do, you never learn anything. To try to try to learn from people who are, who are criticizing your your work, there's usually a reason that you can't get your books published. It's usually not because you are so brilliant and everybody else are stupid. It's often the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good advice. That, that, so that, so that, that, that's like a, tra- a trap that very that quite a few young writers go into. Actually, they start thinking of themselves as sort of misunderstood geniuses, and then then you can't get anywhere. Right. Right. So you you mentioned reading. Um, who have yeah. you been reading lately? Um, oh, late, and th- that you would maybe recommend. Well, right now, I, but but you see, I write. I I read a lot more history than I read uh, than I read novels, really. But right now, I'm reading a wonderful, brand new book from uh, my American publisher, from the University Press in Minnesota. A book called uh, North County, North Country: The Making of Minnesota. A great history book about the history of Minnesota up till 1850 or around there when it actually became a state. So up right. till it becomes a state. So I read a lot of history. I read, I read a lot of history from uh, not just Minnesota but from uh, American history in general. Also, also, also antique history. But when it comes to crime fiction, I don't really read that much crime fiction these days. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And and um, uh, where where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more about you? Do you do you have a website? No, well, I have a website, but that isn't really uh, 
you can find me on, on, on Facebook. I have both uh, uh, usual, uh, like an ordinary uh, private account, and then I have a like uh, my my author page there that you can like, and then uh, you get all all the news that I that I I post, and you can people can write to me, and I'm more than happy to. I always answer people, and I I, I really enjoy to communicate with people who read my books. Great. So f- Facebook is the place. Great, and and I'll have a link to that as well, so that people yeah, can find good. it. Um, I, I did want to ask a, a question. You you mentioned earlier about the the Norwegian settlers who mm-hmm. who who settled in this region of Minnesota. Was was that interesting for you to to go back and 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 learn about that history of of um, Norwegian immigrants who had had moved to that area of the U.S. Yeah, it was very interesting and very. I would say that it was very. It was actually quite. Uh, touching, quite moving when I got up there because obviously I knew about it. I, I knew that more than a million Norwegians moved to the States uh, between 1825 and 1925, which uh, back then was like one third of the population really. So it's a very well-known fact here. But when I got up there for the first time, I, I met people who were the descendants of these uh, immigrants. And uh, in that particular corner of Minnesota, the immigration came pretty late actually, so it was around 1900, and a lot of people in the, uh, immigrated in the nine, up to the 1920s and 30s, so I met people whose uh, parents and grandparents had come over from Norway, so the whole, uh, the whole uh, experience of immigration was very much alive, and these things really mattered to people, and, uh, and for me being at that time sort of an immigrant myself, I wasn't sure if we were going to move back to Norway or whatever, it, it really did something to me and it touched me on a deep level when I when I heard about this all these stories about the hardship and the, all the things that people had to leave behind people who couldn't even speak English when they came over there and to see what their descendants have made out of out of their lives so it really did something to me. that that's interesting well, <laughs> well again we've been speaking with Vidar Sunstall author of the land of <clears throat> dreams available in bookstores now so grab a copy Vidar thanks for doing this interview Thank you very much. Great. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.